Yeah, I'm excited this morning, and since this is our last uh, our last uh, last Sunday focusing on Advent, where we've been focusing on these four different traits uh, of the Advent season, season, the arrival of Jesus. We've been talking about hope, the the arrival of hope, uh, the arrival of God's love uh, in its fullness, the arrival of faith with Kurt last week, and this morning talking about uh, the Advent or the arrival of joy. And as I've been thinking this week, um, just talking about the Advent season, just a reminder from even a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this really being a season of remembrance, right? It's a season of remembrance where we are remembering the God traits that we focus on with the arrival of Jesus, right? We focus on these traits that is this name, the, the arrival of his love, his faith, his, his, his joy and his, and his peace, right? We then recenter our lives. So we remember them, then we recenter on them, then we re-engage with them and how we live our lives. Right? If we live if if we live centered on these traits, then it will change how we live our lives. The God traits we're focusing on, right? Again, hope, love, faith, and this morning we'll be focusing on the our attention on the arrival of joy in the person of Jesus. And that's what it's about. If there are three words you remember in the season is that we always want to be people who are remembering the movement of God. In remembering we then recenter our lives every single day so that we then re engage all of our actions activities and the things that we're doing in life. It's just a really easy three-step piece to how we live our Christian life. And this season of Advent is for that purpose, to remind us of these things that have come in Jesus and their fullness so we can re-engage them. The conviction I've been processing this week in my own spiritual life is the nature and how he brought uh, these traits and how he brought them specifically in their fullness how he brought them in their fullness. Jesus embodied, he modeled, and he expressed all of these traits. When he came with joy, when he came with hope, he didn't come and just bring them halfway in his life. Like Jesus wasn't living with the with a cup half full of joy or, or faith or hope and love when he came to earth. He came and he brought them in their fullness because they dwelled fully in him because he fully was God. And they define who he is as traits that ultimately mark who God is. And so when Jesus came, all I want you to hear me say is, he fully brought these traits with him, right? He expressed them, he empowered them, and he embodied them. And so then when this moment, when Jesus came, when he came, then he, he then came and then he left. But when he left, he then empowered his spirit. He empowered, empowered his spirit to then embody them in us, to empower you and myself in our lives and to enable us to experience them again in fullness. When Jesus came into our lives, he brought all of his traits with them in their fullness because he fully resides with us. Therefore, when we come this morning to talk about the traits of God, I want you to recognize when he came and you gave your life to him and he came into your life, He came with all of those traits in fullness. There was an arrival of those traits in your life, in your heart, and they would are available to us. It's why we spend time to remember, recenter on this truth, and then re-engage it in how we live our lives. That's the beauty of focusing on Advent. They are present All of these traits, we don't work for them. They are 
already currently and fully present with each of us. So, Father, this morning, I pray as we dive into this, God, these are words that we use all the time, but I pray this morning for maybe a new awakening. That, God, maybe we would remember them and recenter ourselves and re-engage them, God, in a way that all of a sudden they come to life, maybe like they never have before. Father, there's nothing, I think, that breaks your heart more than having fullness available to your children who then walk without fullness. And God, I pray out of a work of grace and a work of your spirit this morning, would you begin to awaken, awaken these traits in us. And specifically this morning, Jesus, I pray for each person, just a prayer of awakening for this true fullness of joy that you embody in our relationship with you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So of of these four traits, it would be really interesting to sit in a roundtable discussion and we each kind of get a group of people who get behind one of the traits as in being the most important in the culture in which we live today. Hear that. This is important. Like to sit in a round table and say, all right, we're going to put the joy people over here, the hope people over here, the faith people over here, and the love people over here. And let's just in a fun, in a fun debate style, just duke it out of which one we think is the most important in our culture today. I think someone would hop behind the words of Paul and say, well, Paul said in first Corinthians, faith, hope, and love, they're here, but love is the most important. So they get behind the love train, right? And some of you say, well, we just have hope that every single day we can live with anticipation. But I honestly, if I were to get in that argument, I would say in our culture today, I would get in the joy camp. I think in the context of the culture in which we live that is struggling with fear and anxiety and worry and depression, right, in ways that maybe are unprecedented in history, I look at it and go, I can receive love from people but still be struggling with those pieces. But if joy were to be awakened in my heart, they would not have the same power in my life. It's hard for all of these pieces to thrive when the fullness of God's joy is present in our lives. And so I would get in the joy camp. And you don't have to, and it's not really a real debate, and it's never going to happen in real life, right? But if it did, I would get in the joy camp, because I think joy and the arrival of joy and the awakening to it, our understanding of it, our engaging of it, and really more importantly, the awakening by God's grace of joy in our life, right? The work of Jesus to do this is something that I say, hey, I think, church, this is something that we need, And as we spend time focusing on the advent and the arrival of joy this morning, my hope is that the whole time you're here, you're praying, God, yes, awaken this. I've tried in my own strength to awaken it, but I need you to awaken it. I need you to awaken it, Jesus. I'm not going to work anymore trying to awaken it. I just need you to awaken it. Right? That's God. That's grace. I can't. You can. As we're praying that, this peace around joy being awakened inside of us. I want to start this morning by remembering, remembering this, this beautiful proclamation, the declaration of the angels at the first arrival, the first advent, the coming of Jesus. Here's what I think is interesting about this. I don't know how much you've ever thought about it, 
but you don't really hear, you really don't hear from the angels much in Scripture. You don't, right? You don't get to hear them speak very often. They don't get to say things very often. They just kind of come and do their ministering work, whatever it may be, right? But they don't get, we don't get to hear them speak very often. But this is one of those moments. And I think it's interesting in Scripture, whenever someone speaks, right, and it's Scripture, so they're speaking on behalf of God, it's really important to get their perspective. That when they came to earth and they had their one moment, right, their one moment at the birth of Jesus to say something to this group of shepherds who were sitting there, what did they say? Because with that becomes a perspective that I think maybe is unique and powerful and speaks to something that maybe we can learn from. And so in Luke chapter 2, very familiar, these are the words of Linus, right, coming from Luke. He says this in verse 8 of chapter 2, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. So let's just, so like, how many guys in the room, right? Just put your hands, put your hands up, seriously, all right? This is interactive. Okay, so... How many guys, like, in now, like, how many of you have ever had, like, guy time, like, with there's no ladies around, I don't care if it's in the locker room, I don't care if it's just by a fire, if you're just out doing something, like, you've had, like, guy time that you know, like, the women in your life would be like, this is super uncomfortable and I hate this, right? We've all had those moments, and I just wonder, man, did shepherds live like that every day, right? Because they're just hanging out there with their boys, they got their, they got their, they got their sheep out there who are, bing, 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 little bells, and Oh, right, doing their thing. And the guys are just doing their thing, right? And they're just hanging around the fire. They're doing life. They're having a great time. They're making fun of each other to pass the time, right? Usually probably picking on the youngest, making them do all the hard work, right? And then laughing as they walk off to do it, right? They're just having guy time. That's where we catch it right here. We're just having guy time, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, And I love this. And they were absolutely terrified. They're having God time. And all of a sudden, an angel appears in front of them. And then all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord, like glory is a word we don't use. It's like all of a sudden, it's like all of a sudden, like when you walk out of, when you walk out of vintage on Sunday and you've been in here where it's been dark and all of a sudden you walk out and you're just like this with your eyes magnified by infinity, right? The glory of the Lord shone in the moment and they thought we're going to die. They're terrified. They're terrified. And I love it. The angel of the Lord said, and the, but the angel said to them, hey, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I actually am bringing you good news. Hear these words that will cause great joy for all the people. Like, I, I just can't wait to get here and tell you this. I'm bringing you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the one you've been waiting for. He's not just the Messiah, but he is going to be Lord. 
So from this perspective of these people that we never get to hear from, and they have their one moment, they're like their one moment of biblical fame in speaking. What's the one thing they choose to speak to humanity? Remember, angels like they're ministering angels. They're sent by God to minister to us. How did they minister to the shepherds here? They said, we want you to know we have good news. Joy is coming. That's the one trait of God that they wanted to share in the moment to fill these people, to encourage them at the advent and the arrival of the Messiah and Jesus. They wanted them to know joy is on the way. His birth, his life will bring joy for all peoples. That's just cool to me. Of all the things they could have said, I'm, I don't know, like, if, like, God had it scripted out in heaven. There's a director up there saying, okay, in three, remember, you're going to break in, talk to the shepherds, and talk about joy, okay? And three, two, one, and go. I have no idea what it looked like in heaven, right? But there was some sort of correlation, some sort of connection, some sort of knowledge with the Father. That there's one thing that God wanted the angels to share to humanity in the moment at the arrival of Jesus to prepare them for something that was powerful around good news. It was a good news of joy. Have I belabored that point enough? Because I would want you to hear, with the arrival of Jesus, he brought with him the fullness of his joy, of God's joy. And it was so profound that the angels just couldn't wait to tell humanity. One thing I appreciate in life is when other people share their thoughts about people that I love. Like I love, like, I mean, it's happened to all, like to multiple people in here, but I think about it all the time with my kids. Like when I sit down and I talk to somebody who's just hung out with my kids and they start bragging on my kids, like it's easy for me to brag on my kids because I think they're amazing, right? And parents can always not see the good things sometimes or they always forget the bad things, whatever it is. But like when somebody else comes and just starts telling me things about Anna Catherine or about Sarah and conversations that they had and they're bragging on them, like internally I'm just beaming. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love them, right? Or people come and talk about like, man, Randall is just so great because this is what she did. This is how she helped whatever she would. And I'm like, I'm like, yes, because I see these things about the people that I love. But when other people come and do it, man, it just really, really excites me. And that's what we see right here. This perspective of the angels to come and say, if there's one perspective, I feel like the father's beaming and saying, yes, I love hearing these things. And so what I want you to begin to hear this morning Just this perspective of the angels, just the nature of Scripture itself, is that there is something about joy this morning at the arrival of Jesus in its fullness. That no matter what's going on in your life, I expect that there is more of it for you to experience than you are right now. And the good news is, y'all, it's good news of great joy because of his arrival. And I'm telling you, it is for you today and tomorrow and the next day and for all of the calendar year of 2022 and beyond. So I want to share a few ideas this morning about joy. I want to talk about it in context of how it differs from happiness, even though they're kind of in the same family. And my hope is real simple. Sometimes to get a heart understanding of something, 
you have to begin to speak truth here in the mind, right? Sometimes the only way to, the only way you can dispel lies that you believe is by speaking truth here. And then from here, the 10 inch wars, my buddy Rick Bontham called it, right? The 10 inch war from what you know in your head to become alive in your heart, right? That thing. And so this morning, I want to begin to speak maybe to this right here this morning with the hope and anticipation you're praying along the way. So God, would you just take this and put it here so it becomes alive inside of me, right? So that's what I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to give you just a list of very random definitions this morning, right? They all kind of go together, but they are kind of random. And my hope is like one of them sticks for you. You know what I mean? mean, like give you one like that doesn't work. Don't get this one. That one works for me. And you can build off of it this morning. So I'm going to put all these on the screen. Go ahead and put them up there for me. Here we go. We're going to go through some of these definitions. So here we go. I'm just going to kind of go through these slowly. Joy. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. Okay. It's a feeling of great pleasure. A feeling of inner gladness. Inner is the primary word here, right? The inner gladness. It's a feeling of great delight. Right. Picture of feeling of great delight. I, have a, I was looking at pictures the other day that my um, my aunt, I think it's my aunt, she sent me uh, and, and she's older. She's like one of my mom's best friends growing up. And and or it's not an aunt. She's a cousin by something. I don't anyway. I don't really care. But anyway, she's a family member. And so she sent me these pictures. And one of the pictures, one of these pictures is of me when I was like a cotton top, like three or four year old, like just sitting in a carport. And I'm looking up at my grandpa, who's my favorite human being ever outside of my wife and kids. Right. And my other family. But, you know, he's super great. And, I, and I'm looking at him and my grandfather in all of his pictures literally has zero smiles. He always is like this. Right. He was a great man. But he was always like this. It's like he's like that, that picture. Right. Whatever it was. So but in this picture, this picture, I'm staring up at him and he's got like the most red and black checkered vest on when they were cool back in the day with like the little orange beanie on with his glasses, white hair. And, and he's in like some sort of plaid pants. It was super cool, I guess. And so he's literally looking at me and he's laughing. Put it back on the screen. Sorry. Sorry, virtual people. It was a feeling of great pleasure, of inner gladness, and of delight in this picture just to be with me. Like, I, walk, I look at it every time I cry. I'm like, oh, God, he just, he just thought he just loved me. He just loved me. He thought it was amazing. He just, he just loved being around his, his grandson, right? It's a feeling, and I think all of us have that. These people solicit that. So joy is that. It's that peace. You're not trying to work it up. It's just a feeling of great pleasure, inner gladness, and delight. Joy is an emotion evoked by a sense of well-being. An emotion evoked by a sense of well-being. You know the story of that song, It Is Well, It Is Well With My Soul? His family had all just died, and he's now on a boat going across the ocean. He looks out, and he writes, It Is Well. It is well with my soul. His life was horrible. But as he looked out and saw the goodness of God, he says, things here are difficult. But there's an emotion evoked by a sense of well-being because of who God is. And it is well. This is the taste. This is the picture of joy, right? It's an emotion. It's invoked because I had this sense of well-being inside of my heart and soul because of who God is. a deep feeling of contentment. No matter what's going on, like Paul says, I've learned to be content in all things, whether in times of need or in times of plenty. I would add in times of suffering or in times of peace. He's learned to be content, right? It's a deep sense, deep feeling of contentment. 
Joy in the New Testament is virtually always used to signify a feeling of, so put happiness, quote unquote happiness, that's based on spiritual realities, independent of what happens. So it's a feeling of happiness because Jesus loves me. He's for me, not against me. He is with me. He's compassionate. He's holy. He's separated me for his purposes, right? I'm happy. I think it's a sense because he literally, in the moment, because of spirituality of who, of who I am, that's independent of anything that happens to me. And so in this, I'm going to keep on going through here. These are not on the screen. So just a few other thoughts. Joy is not necessarily an experience that comes from favorable circumstances, but it's God's gift from his spirit to his believers. Here we go. Here's the separation. Happiness is affected by what one has. Joy by what one is. Say it again. Happiness is affected by what one has. Joy by what one is. Son, daughter of the king. We have everything we need pertaining to life and godliness through our knowledge of Jesus, Second Peter 1, right? Happiness comes from experience of good as distinct from evil. Joy comes from experiencing God apart from good or evil. Apart from good or evil. Happiness comes through things outside which stir feelings within. Joy leaps from within from God in the heart and the soul. You see this. Happiness is circumstantial out here. And joy is just the reality of who we are internally and who God is inside of us. All of us want that, don't we? That's why we're praying for an awakening. Because you say, God, what do I do? You've missed the point. I said, you don't. You just, you just receive a little frustrating, I know, but also beautiful. Joy is the trait of Jesus. The trait of Jesus. When we enter into relationship with him, like I've already said, he brings it with him in fullness. And it now becomes a living, active part of who he is and who we are through his presence in our lives. Hear this, please. We never, ever have to pray for more joy in our lives ever again. We don't have to pray, God, just bring, just bring joy, just bring joy. Just, you already have it. So the prayer is, God, help us to be awake and engage what's already in us in joy. Thank you, God. It's already in us. We don't have to work for it. We never have to, we don't have to work for it, right? It's present. We simply need to engage it. Let me use a very cultural example to make my point this morning is super spiritual. Let's compare our relationship with Jesus with the Braves winning the World Series this year, just a little over a month and a half ago, right? I wish I could use Georgia Bulldogs. By God's grace, I will on January 11th, okay? And so here, my relationship with Jesus compared to my relationship with the Braves and the winning the World Series. Listen, when I gave my life to Jesus, he came into my life and he brought all of his traits with him, including joy. It was the greatest moment of my life. 
48 days ago, the Braves won the World Series, one of the greatest sports events in my life. Now, the day after the Braves won the World Series, nothing had changed in my life, but everything felt different. Everything felt different in my life in that moment. I was going about life, and there were difficulties, and there were hardships, but there was something about my life that just felt like I was being undergirded and supported by something that was just so good and so right that as I lived my life, I was like, ah, that's bad, but man, I just had this internal sense of peace and of comfort and delight because the Braves won the World Series, and I don't know what else is going on, but it's like undergirding everything else that's going on. My life just feels better. Let me tell you something. Jesus won the world series of our spiritual lives. He came to earth. He conquered. He defeated death and hell. And now I live my life every day in light of that victory, right? Living in light of that victory that's undergirding and supporting everything going on in my life. And no matter what's going on, I can return back to that reality and be undergirded, supported, and feel joy in it in the same way that I even do right now and think about it. It's a bad day, but the praise won the World Series, right? It's like the same reality. That's the nature of joy. Listen, I felt it for weeks after with the Braves. They didn't win the World Series again that day. They'd won it way over here, but I was living in the reality of it, just as we can do with Jesus every single day. That's why we remember. We remember. We remember. Oh, oh, Jesus saved me. And I recenter myself on it every single day. And then I re-engage my life now in the light of the victory over the spiritual battle that's been won. And I am part of the winning team. Praise God. Now let's go, dogs. Here we go. Jesus did the work of the World Series. Win of Jesus. Thank you so much. Right. So in preparation, as I read through the New Testament, I literally read every single verse in the New Testament, at least according to Bible Gateway, right, in the ESV version, every single verse that had rejoice or joy in it, right? I would encourage you to do that. Sometimes it's super encouraging, I'm just saying, right? So I read all of them. And when I began to read, I began to recognize there were actions, there were actions associated with joy, right? Kind of like all the traits. You can do it with all the traits. But there was there were actions associated with joy, that as I did them, joy was awakened in these verses. Now, it's super important to recognize what I'm getting at. I'm not saying, hey, if you do these actions as works to go earn joy from God, that's not it. I'm simply saying this is something that it's like a door being opened, an action. As I just do this action of opening the door, I walk into a room that is full of joy. Or it's like it's like this action of diving into a pool. I just land in water. I land in joy. All right. So this is not an action you to earn something. It's just an action you give yourself to that puts you into the flow, into the river of and into the presence of joy. Make sense? And so this morning I'm going to read through some of these actions. To some of these things we see in scriptures of as someone did this, joy was birthed. I'm not going to read all the verses. You get to go do your homework yourself this week. So take a picture of the screen, look at the verses, and go read them for yourself. Here we go. Virtual world this is going to stay up for a little bit just so you have time with it. So here we go. Luke chapter 15, verses 7 and 10 talks about repentance bringing joy. Another way of saying this, joy is the byproduct of our obedience. 
like, do you remember when you were a kid and you did something wrong and you felt such guilt around it? And then all of a sudden you finally went to your parents or to someone and you confessed what you had done. You repented, you would turn, you would like at and you said, I'm so sorry. And they forgave you. When did you feel better before repenting and asking for forgiveness or after? It's always after because you're like, ah, I've been clean now. This guilt that I was living in. Right. And so repentance does that. Repentance brings joy. It's impossible to live with the joy of God in our lives unless we release sin, turn from it and move towards God. Why? Because sin and our movement towards it always leads to death. Joy and death never complement one another. Joy is always attached to life which happens when we leave sin behind. The act of obedience, whenever I repent and turn back towards God, <sighs> breath of fresh air. John fifteen eleven. God's word brings joy. God's word brings joy. So yes, I'm talking about our time in scripture. It produces joy. I'm also talking about those moments when you're just being silent before God in prayer and all of a sudden he speaks something into you and it just produces joy inside of you. The word of God, whenever he speaks into your life and you give him space to do that, it always leads to joy. The third thing, John 16, 24, the action of prayer. Prayer brings joy. Again, just praying, seeking God, communicating with him and being with him. First John, uh, first John, uh, three, excuse me, first John one, three and four. Intimate relationship with other believers centered on Jesus brings joy. This is where John says, we invite you into the fellowship as we fellowship with God, the father and Jesus. So basically what he's saying is, hey, our best friends are God. And we want to invite you to be with us in his presence and have fellowship with us because it will produce joy. Listen, it's good to have friends of all sorts. It is. But there is something different about being friends with fellow believers who are going after Jesus in the same way that you are, who produce a type of life inside of you that actually brings an intercontentment of joy that you can find nowhere else. It's why your parents' kids are always saying, are they Christians or Christian friends? Like, that's so annoying. Why? Because they know this is true. Friendships with other intimate believers takes you to a place and fellowship that brings about a joy that just happens. It's like opening, like you become friends and Jesus and you go into the door with him into joy, right? Third John verse four, there's no chapters there, says when hearing those you have mentored or discipled or walking in the truth, it just produces joy. Never forget years ago, we did college ministry for a long time. Most of you know this. And, and we had left and gone for several years. We're on Facebook, right? And we began to see some of our students, man, who we'd invested just tons into. And we could see just from their posts that, man, they're just really struggling in their faith. And some of them all just literally had turned away from faith, right? We were disillusioned in the moment and I called somebody. Called another guy, one of the guys in part of our ministry. And they forget, and we're talking about stuff and talking about some of these people, and I was afraid to ask. I said, I said, hey man, like, where, how are, where are you with Jesus? He goes, dude, I am so in love with Jesus right now. 
He said, I'm, I am just killing it, man. I am, my relationship is so rich. My wife and I and kids, man, we are so involved. We are great. And I literally sat on the phone and just began to weep. Because there's such joy when people that you love, people that you are invested into, are walking with Jesus and doing well. It's 3 John verse 4, right? Just hearing these people, whether it's mentor or people that you're in relationship with, your kids, whatever it may be. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 34, this is the thing we experienced this morning. Turning our eyes to our spiritual inheritance produces joy. Turning our eyes to our spiritual inheritance produces joy. These last two songs this morning. Did you get excited as we began to sing about being with Jesus, seeing him face to face, no walls between us? Was there a level of like some sort of inner contentment and joy that you were experiencing and just singing these songs about one day seeing him face to face? Like I'm sitting up here and tears are streaming down my eyes. I'm like, I don't even know why. I just know I am because there's something about just focusing on the, who the reality of who I'll be and who Jesus will be to me at the end of times. And there's nothing keeping us from one another. There's something powerful that fills me with an energy and excitement that I just can't wait. And it produces the joy. It produces the joy that we were designed when we opened the door to thinking about our future kingdom inheritance in Christ, that it just produces a joy, an inner contentment, excitement, an energy, a happiness that has an internal versus an external source. These are his actions we give ourselves to. And so take that, pray into, begin to give yourself to some of these. This week I was in th- on, on Tuesday morning. Tuesday, this may, I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but I, I wake up regularly with songs that I, I guess I've just been singing in my sleep. And I, I wonder sometimes really God's spirit singing over me, just these truths uh, that he wants to be awakened in me. I have no idea. I like to think that. But I wake up and I'm singing this song. And, and it's just from this guy named John Mark Pantana. It's called, um, it's called uh, Taste and See. It's a great song. I've been sharing it everywhere I go this week, right? But John Mark Pantana on, on Spotify, Taste and See is the name of the song. And it's just that phrase from Psalm 34, Taste and See, the Lord is good, good, good to me. Just taste and see. I'm not going to sing it to you. Just taste and see. The Lord is good, good, good to me. And I'm just, literally, I wake up, I'm just singing it. I get, I get into the shower, I'm just singing it. And I'm thinking, about what does it mean to taste? And what does it mean to taste the Lord? And see what he's good. Like, that's a, that's language. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't use language like that. I'm talking to Stacey. I'm not going, hey, let's go taste and see the Lord together, right? You just don't do that. That's kind of awkward and weird, right? But, but he's saying, like, come and taste. Just taste of me and see that I'm, I'm just so good. I mean, I'm good, good, good. It's like, and so I'm literally got to go and I got open up, I go get my coffee. I sit on, put a blanket around me because it's cold. I get my, I get my Bible out and begin to read from Psalm 34. What this was taken from Psalm 34 and just reading and I'm like, man, what's going on? And it's David and it's David's life and David is, this is the moment. It's not a great moment in his life. He's literally just been run out of Israel. Because Saul is so angry with him, he's trying to kill him, he's throwing spears at him. Not a great moment. He goes to this foreign king, he's afraid of his own life, he, he pretends like he's mad. There's a moment where David literally pretends like he's mad, like drooling everywhere, literally in scripture. It's like drooling here in, in first, I think it's first Samuel. And 
And all of a sudden, like, the king just goes, oh, my gosh, we know who you are and blessing on you. And all of a sudden, like, David's like, oh, that went well. And so the psalm is written in this moment of, of like, having kicked out of his home country, the fear of being before this foreign king, and then having a level of favor and going, oh, my gosh, I just need to taste and see that he's good. Even when all hell is breaking loose in my life, he is good. Inner contentment, joy in the middle of my suffering. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, the psalm is a psalm of suffering, but tasting and seeing that there is joy because God is so good. He's won the battle. He's good in for David and David can't help but celebrate. The arrival of joy had come and he couldn't help but write a psalm and he wants everybody to sing it. Hey guys, I'm going to write a song about when I went mad quote-unquote, before the king, when Saul tried to kill me. It was the worst of times. Let's sing how awesome it was. Inner contentment. That's joy in full and fullness. It's God's gift to us. It's powerful. Taste and see that the Lord is good, good, good for me. I woke up with this phrase this morning. I don't know if this fits sits for some of you, but I felt like the word was this. Don't quench, just cultivate. Don't quench the truth of who God is by believing lies, right? Don't quench that by putting your eyes somewhere other than Jesus in your moments of greatest need. Just cultivate the presence of Jesus in the moments of your life at all times. As you cultivate these things, then become alive inside of you. Just like when you plant seeds and farmers are cultivating the soil, getting it ready, preparing it for water, making sure it's right in direct sunlight, and cultivating it so it can be birthed inside of us. Don't quench, cultivate. Don't quench, cultivate. With that, I invite Aaron to come come back up just to lead us in our end of our worship. But I want to end this morning by a, another psalm from David, chapter 16. This is more of a, an opportunity to meditate. So I just want to invite you to go ahead and close your eyes, and I'm going to read this. Take a deep breath. Please turn your put your phones down. No, they're not helping you right now, promise me. Thank you, Yvonne. I appreciate that. Psalm 16. Deep breath. Just release, put yourself in your best posture of, of hearing what God is speaking through his word. David is speaking and says, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. God, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. God, you make known to me the path of life. You will walk, you will fill me with joy in your presence. You will fill me with eternal pleasures at your right hand. heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body is able to rest because you will not abandon me because you were faithful. And on top of that, you make known to me the path of life and you fill me with joy when I'm in your presence and you fill me with eternal pleasures. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds great, God. 
as I sit at your right hand. Psalm of joy, the fullness of Christ to remember, to recenter on, and to re-engage today. Father, I'm asking for divine, power-filled, spirit-led grace today. Your ability to make things happen in our weakness. And I'm asking today, Jesus, for those who are struggling specifically with anxiety today, I thank you for your unbelievable love for those people. I just thank you for your compassion. You say, I'm not abandoning you in that. I'm with you. And I want to awaken joy. I don't live in some delusion, God, that we'll never struggle with anxiety again. We still live in a fallen world and a fallen body. But anxiety doesn't have to win. Joy wins. So, Father, come and do what only you can do and awaken what only you can awaken. Thank you, God. We can't earn it. We can't make it happen. But you give it freely. Help us, Lord, to open the door today just into your presence and receive what you so freely want to give in fullness. Invite our ministry team to go ahead and come forward this morning. Aaron's going to just lead worship, and we're going to take some time, and we're just going to pray. If you have things you want prayer for, just want someone to come alongside of you and love on you this morning and just say, it's so hard for me to even, it's so hard for me to even believe my own prayers. Will you pray for me, right? And we're just going to pray that God would give you courage and encouragement in that and then pray for breakthrough in your life. I'd like to invite you to take communion this morning. Communion is a, a remembrance of the celebration of the good news of joy coming to earth in the body of Jesus and his blood poured out. As you take this morning, just receive the grace from it. God, as I remember your good news, I thank you that it produces joy in all of our lives. And I pray for it for myself and everyone else around me. May you just want to worship, pray, whatever it is, but I invite you to please engage in some form or fashion this morning around the arrival of joy. Let's worship and pray.